Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Kaysen. With me today is entrepreneur and Abraham Hicks fan, Louis D'Souza. This is your Daily Dose of Happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. I did again. I forgot to put everybody on screen. Oh, well, there it is again. But uh, yeah, thank you for joining us. And our friend Anne Marie is uh, a little under, under the weather. She's uh, dealing with a flu bug after the holidays, but uh, we'll be getting her back in the next week or so. Happy New Year to everybody. This is our first show of 2023. And we are blessed today because Louie and I have a special guest. Now, this this is like neo-positivity week plus t- plus a <laughs> bit more because we did two shows last week to finish the week. And he's joining us again today because of conversations we had last week. Because uh, yeah. you, you, I'm well. First of all, on the Friday show, we were doing all this stuff about sleep and dreams and all that kind of thing. And at one point, you expressed the uh, the opinion that you'd like to learn more about uh, some of the the more exotic forms of dreaming that we do and so forth. And I thought instantly about Louis because he's like the expert at uh, out of body experiences and lucid dreaming and all that. So, uh, Louis, have have you met Neil before? I'm not sure if you guys have met before. Um, briefly, 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 you did. Okay. Somewhere along the line. (laughs) (laughs) So you're probably not going to hear a whole lot from me. This is going to be largely a conversation between Neo and Louis, but you know me, I'll always jump in anyway. So Louis, meet Neo. Neo, beat Louis. (laughs) And uh, Neo, tell Louis what you were telling me about, you know, well, first of all, what you were telling me just now before we got started, but also what led up to this last week. Um, Well, I realized that... uh, you know, I'm the thoughts become things guy. And so, you know, I'm trying to keep as many of my thoughts in uh, a positive space as opposed to negative as I can. And I do a great job of that while I'm awake. However, I don't know what's going on while I sleep. And what I've heard was that um, if you don't remember your dreams, it's because they were so bad that your body put a self-defense mechanism and made you forget them. And, and that leads me to think eight hours of the day, I'm dreaming horribleness, watering horrible <laughs> seeds. Uh, Neo, I just wanted to say to you, who, who, which book mustn't I look at? <laughs> it was so long ago. No, this is word of mouth. It was so long ago. I don't even know who said it. But yeah, I would like to get some clarity on that and um, what exactly lucid dreams are and specifically flying uh, in your dreams, which is really custom to me because I'm obsessed with flying anyway, like airplanes, RC airplanes, real airplanes, paramotors. Whatever, I'm all for it. So yeah, I was trying to place a lot of things and um I was just telling Walt before the show. Uh I told him before that I heard that the amount of f- flight you can proactively do in your dream, I'm talking about up, down, left, right, not just gliding, like aiming and going there is the equivalent of the abundance that you feel about, you know, yourself and your life. And uh, you can please chime in on that and tell me that's true. Um, and um, last night I was able to fly more than I've ever flown. And I remember the dream for the first time since November. So it was it's kind of crazy that I woke up to a message from Walt saying, hey, you come in and talk about dreams. I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> so with all that said, start firing away. Answer whatever you want to answer first. Uh Basic philosophy um, is where I'd like to start. And you said to me that you like to focus more on your positive uh, aspects of your thoughts uh, rather than your negative. Um, But the basics that I like to put out all the time is the importance of negativity 
Yeah, we we did a, we did a nice segment about that. Uh, I think it was like November or beginning of December. I really got my first glimpse of really being appreciative for the negative things that have happened to me because mm-hmm. they got me because they got me here. Um, but on the same note, if I have sixty thousand thoughts today, I'm going to want at least thirty thousand and one of them to be in a positive nature, just for my over under. Um, because thoughts become things. You spend too much time in a negative headspace, you manifest a lot of negative stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's where I, that's appreciating the negative is a, is a bitter pill to swallow. But once you get it, it, it's actually pretty easy. I remember there was this guy, John DeMann, he, he offered this free mental course online and, you know, I, uh, jumped on it because at that stage I was interested in just chatting to anybody about this stuff and, he started to mentor me and, uh, he, he asked me one of the tasks I had to do was, was to put something I was thankful for every day. Mm-hmm. So I wrote there, you know, I'm thankful for the sunshine, the blah, 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 my wife, family, but, and then I said, no, I'm really thankful for this negative thing that happened because it woke me up, made me more aware. I started to understand things better. And he stopped me and he said, Louis, you're one of the very, very few people that have said to me that you're, you appreciate the negative. And I wanted to tell you how great this is. And it's a tremendous thing that you've done, that you understand it and all the rest of it. And I really got it, you know, um, you know, and I've been using it for years. I just didn't understand with clarity what it was all about. So, you know, with Abram Hicks, you really learn that the negative, you come down to the physical universe and you've got this contrast going on the whole time, positive and negative. Okay. So the, when, and I, so when I was young, I used to say, um, you know, I know because from the age of eight, I was really passionate about understanding what the hell I was doing here. I didn't want them to teach me maths or history or biology or science. Or, what am I doing here? And then I'll study maths, history, biology, science. Okay. But nobody was interested in me or what I was asking. And I said to mom when at the age of eight, I said, mom, what is truth, love and God really about? And she said, huh? And I realized I had to find out for myself. Nobody was going to tell me, not even my parents, you know, they didn't know. So it was a, it's been a journey for me to really understand that. I understood that with clarity, even at the age of eight, that without light, there'd be no darkness. Without up, there'd be no down. Without the valley, because I lived in the mountains, there'd be no mountains. <clears throat> so I knew that there was a profoundness in there, but I didn't understand how that it worked in a human. And then... Abram Hicks said to me, when you know what you don't want, you have a better idea of what you do want. And that's where the expansion comes from. It first comes from the negative. All expansion comes from that negative. When you, when you start looking at the negatives, and that's step five in the Abram Hicks teaching, is when you can feel the negative instantly and turn it around to a positive because you've, you're able to pivot straight away because you understand the whole process and it's all clear that the negativity is an expansion point for you. Okay. So I wanted to bring that up going into dreams and all the rest of it. So basically how you think about it all, it's how it's going to affect you, isn't it? If you think that if you're not, if you're having flying dreams, it's all liberating, then that's what's going to be for you. If you're thinking that, um, yep, thoughts <laughs> become things. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're thinking, you know, what somebody said, um, which you brought up, then it's going to come into reality in your dreams, in your life, in, in all over. So, you know, make your own 
reality when it comes to dreaming is what I'm trying to point out here. Um, if you start studying all the gurus and the yogis and all the stuff, which I've always gone to for um, my enlightenment, <clears throat> because looking at the whole planet on this uh, planet Earth, the southern Indians have been the ones that have really spent huge amount of time, effort and inclination and direction into understanding what we're doing here and how, how the world works. They have. They've just done it. And the West is now eventually catching up and proving all those things that the the yogis have been saying for centuries. So <clears throat> they said that, you know, out-of-body experiences is um, is another dimension. Or it's, it's, it's basically they, they, they kind of created the, the um, structure that you've got a maze, yeah? So you can imagine you put a rat in a maze and all he sees is walls. Mm -hmm. But if you lift yourself up over the maze, you can see, oh, you just go there, 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 and you're out, Okay. Mm -hmm. So it's it's an expanded awareness state, and there are levels to it. So they call, talk about the astral, the causal, the mental, the etheric, and soul level. Now, in soul level, there's, in theory, no mist. That means no matter, energy, space, and time. Therefore, it's direct perception of everything. But if you go to the astral, it's just a little bit thinner than the physical. So if you go into your astral body, which you've heard of, then you can walk through physical walls, but you can't walk through astral walls. Okay. If you go to the etheric, you can walk through astral walls and physical walls, but you can't walk through etheric walls, etc., etc., etc. So until you get to soul level or source level, um, which is uh, pure positive energy where there is just direct awareness and understanding and just clarity. So... Most of the, from my limited understanding of what they've taught, they say that um, most of the religions kind of stop at the mental realm. Let's take Islam and Christianity and a couple of others. They all kind of get stuck at the, the mental realm. So that, that's one way of looking at it all. So the next thing is, what's the easiest way to go from your physical to Let's just say an astral experience because it's the next level out there and it's probably much like the emotional guidance scale of Abram Hicks. You don't want to go from negative to positive because the jump is too too large. So you go from depression to revenge and from revenge to rage, rage to frustration, frustration to, to I don't care and I don't care to hope in the positive scale. So you want to go, let's say, from from the physical to you want to go to the next level, which is let's call it the astral. Mm -hmm. um, so you're practicing to get to the astral. How do we get there? One of the ways is to start doing it is to start studying your dreams. As you start studying your dreams, you start have, you start becoming aware when you're dreaming that you're dreaming. Okay, what's the word for that? They call it something. Lucid. No, lucid yeah. dreaming. Yeah, lucid dreaming. Okay, so you go from dreaming to lucid dreaming. Right, so that's the next phase. So the study of dreams has been taught by many of the spiritual cultures out there, and there's a reason for it, because it helps you get out of the maze and start having a look at the bigger picture. All right. And you can get teachings in the inner realms um, that you wouldn't be able to get here. 
Um, so to go from dreaming, studying dreams, to lucid dreaming, from lucid dreaming to consciously controlling the out-of-body experience, when you start controlling it, not just looking at it like in a movie and being aware that you're in the movie, when you start controlling it, they start calling that out-of-body experiences. So, um, so what would be the, what's the difference between a lucid dream and an out-of-body experience? One is you can control, the other one's more like a movie. So oh, you're thought, aware well, you're in the movie, but uh, you can't really control anything that's going on in it. You're just, oh, I know I'm dreaming. I know I'm dreaming. I know I'm So dreaming. I had an out-of-body experience today. Uh-huh. Yes. Maybe. Right. Uh, you just tell me what, what you had, and I will give you a kind of an idea of, of how I see it. Uh, when it comes to flying, uh, if I can do it, it's three to 10 feet off the ground. And it's a constant, I want to go higher, but I can't. And then I start to lose confidence. Like, damn, am I going to touch the ground? And then I start to go down. Uh, and then I, if I can manage to push up, I, I, I don't usually get higher than that. Um, today, go ahead. So I, I wanted to tell you about how I started. And, and I think you'll start seeing the similarities. So in the beginning, I did that. I started studying my dreams. Okay. Then I started becoming aware of my dreams. Then I started having my first out-of-body experience. The first out-of-body experience was I was li- lying in a bed that was really high up. You had to climb up on a ladder. And um, I was a student. I had a bicycle as my form of transport. It was parked in, in the little um, passageway. <clears throat> and I became aware that I was going head first down off my bed and I was saying to myself, I hope to God I'm not in my physical body because this is going to hurt. <laughs> <laughs> and then I zooped around the corner and as I zooped around the corner, there was my bicycle and they had two reflectors at the back. And they were so bright in the astral that I got such a shock. I woke up in bed and my heart was pounding and I was all shocked and all the rest of it. So that was my first conscious out-of-body experience. Then I had many other learning um, out-of-body experiences where I was lifting myself up and going through the arm of a chair, just floating through it. And I was doing Tai Chi in my dreams because I was doing Tai Chi in the real life as well. And Tai Chi is a great way to mm-hmm. to um, help you out-of-body experiences um, for some reason or other. I don't quite know why because you land up – when you start dreaming Tai Chi, you start having out-of-body experiences. There's <laughs> wow. a link there. Okay, oh, so – I was I was having all these little running. I was doing Tai Chi, and then I was running, then I was jumping, and then I was falling, and I was flying a little bit and not flying a little bit, and then all the rest. So. Um, and then I was floating through chair. You know, the arms of the chairs. I was trying to be perfect and go through the arm of these chairs and things like that. So there was, there was loads of experiences of waking up with my heart pounding because um, the leaving of the body, there's a fear aspect to it. And because... Out-of-body experience is also called the little death. Really? Yes, because it is a little death. It is a it is dying from one level of consciousness and going into another level of consciousness. So there is a death involved. The They talk about the silver cord. So there's a cord connecting from your physical body, from kind of your solar plexus, to the astral, causal, mental, etherical soul body, <clears throat> which... When you want to come back, it follows the cord back, goes back into the body. Okay. I've seen the cord before. Um, I've seen my body from out of body and looked down and blah, 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 blah. So, you know, these things are perceivable. 
Um, so it's, it's really interesting because, uh, the study of dreams, um, the way I've kind of come to understand it is they are not necessarily prophetic. They're more showing you where your thoughts are. And if you break everything down in the world to vibration, they are you becoming aware of vibration. And if you look at the physical body, your physical body is a vibrational interpreting machine. Do you get it? Okay, that makes sense. So your eyes see different colors, different colors are different vibrations. Your ears hear different sounds, they're different vibrations. You feel different textures, they're different vibrations. You taste different tastes, they're different vibrations. So you've got these five physical senses, so your physical body is a vibrational interpreting machine. Right there. Okay. Right there. So what is happening here is you are now taking your consciousness and you're tuning it into a different vibration. Okay. So when you're in, when you, you'll notice very clearly if you become really aware and start playing with the out of body experiences and soul. Soul travel slash astral travel, um, you will start realizing that going from the physical to the astral, there's a much faster vibration to it. You are vibrating at a much higher frequency. And as you go to the next level, it's a much higher frequency. And as you go to the next level, it's a much higher frequency. So there's a lot more to say about the realms um, and the different vibrations. In theory, there's somebody who... Make sure that you don't leave this realm and go to the next realm. And they, there's like policemen at all different levels. Um, so that's, you know, um, there is Which, a, by the way, is, I don't know if you knew Louis, but that's actually appropriate because Neil is a former police officer. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You have those ones in the physical as well that try and, uh, <laughs> try and, try and make rules, uh, try and, try and work with the structure of rules that society has put down, um, which are, and I don't know if you saw this when you were doing it, from the, that um, they're flawed on many, many levels. Oh, the yeah. laws. I don't agree with most of them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so um, it's interesting if you can start working out for yourself what laws you are prepared to obey. Most of them would be nothing to do with the physical, <laughs> the ones that society has made. Um, but when you start finding your own laws which you obey, um, it's very interesting because you start having more power over your life and you start understanding life much clearer. So going back to out of body. Amen so you, to that. I'm going to say amen to that. After <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I retired in 2008, I learned a lot about retiring. And, and, and that was a huge part of it. The laws that were set around me that I, that were bullshit mm. that I could just, you know, um, and that's not just from the law of attraction. It was like physical type law stuff that's going on out here. You got to do this. You got to look this way. You got to be this person. You got to do this. You got to abide by these rules. It's just like, no, no, not going to do it. That's the reason why I get VIP everywhere I go. And I get in places where no one can get in. Because mm, I literally it's just a, it's just a walk past 
everybody. Like I've been, like I own the damn joint and they let me in everywhere. It's insane how I do this. My friends, they, they got a saying for it, but I'm not going to say it because there's, you know, there's curse words in it, but they have a saying for it. Well, you have a saying too. It's called thoughts become things. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and when, when you know how to use it, um, you become more powerful in the physical universe com- in, in, in the eyes of others. In the eyes of yourself, you're just understanding how it is and it just works. You don't really care that it's powerful or not powerful. All right. Because when you get trapped up in all their idea that it's powerful, then you, you start seeing the not power of it and all the other just, aspects. Yeah. But, the feeling of lack. Yeah. Me. Yeah. And I don't yeah. like the lack feeling. So, um, you know, I love the lack feeling now because I understand what it is. It's an expansion. And therefore, there's nothing I don't like anymore. So you can throw anything at me. You can criticize me. You can, you can do what you want to me. Um, and I will say, oh, good. If I get upset or, 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 or distraught or anything about it, you're teaching me something. You're my teacher. That's, that's oh, the yeah. first thing that comes up to me is like, yeah, you're going to teach me something. I'm getting so excited. <laughs> I got to I got to get there because I, I love my toys. Me and Walt talk about this all the time. I love my toys, man. And when I want something, I want it, you know, and, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I got I definitely got to get to that headspace to where I can see lack as a good thing. Yeah. It's very, very, very powerful. And it's centering and, and, and harmonious and peaceful and powerful, gently powerful. <laughs> yeah. Hold on. Before we get back into the dream, I, we need to dive into that. So how, what, what would you tell a person like me who's looking to, looking for that, but just doesn't know how? Haven't read any books that keyed in on that. Uh, Keating on what? On, on appreciating on a, lack, being able to appreciate lack as a you know as a learning tool or whatever. So you know the the important thing to understand is how does the universe work? The universe works in the physical universe works on polarity, and contrast is the word we use for polarity. Contrast is your teacher. When you know what you don't want, you have a better idea what you do want. That's the negative and the positive. All right. So can you, can you give me an example. I'm obsessed with this Lamborghini and I've been wanting it my whole life. And as much as I know, I don't need it. And when faced with an opportunity to buy one, I actually, you know, went for the four seater cause I got kids. Um, but it's just a desire. It's burning. I know I'll have it very soon. Uh, it's just, I want it now. Um, and there's a couple of things like that. So how would I work my way through that when I think of the Lamborghini and the lack feeling strikes? Like, how do you get it? Okay. You got to go here, do that. Talk to this person. It's going to cost this much. Like before all that even happens, I'd like to eradicate, uh, not eradicate, but you know, find a way to get through the whole lack feeling in, in the beginning before all the narrative comes in of how I can get it and what needs to take place. Hmm. There's so many places I can go with this. Um, the first thing is Abram Hicks would say to you, if you wanted to prove the law of attraction to yourself, start with a pencil. Do you care if you've got a pencil or an extra one or not? Do you? No, no, not at all. How um, much resistance to getting the pencil do you think you're going to have then? None. None. Do you feel what that feels like? Now feel what it feels like with a Lamborghini. A, a ton of weight just hit on my yeah. chest. Yeah. 
Yeah. Exactly. So what we're looking at there is Abram Hicks will say it's, e- it's as easy to manifest a castle as it is a button for the universe. It makes no difference to the universe. The universe can do either. The only difference is your perception. Okay. So I would say um, go from the pencil to the coffee. And go from the coffee to the the meal. Go from the meal to the small car. Go from the small car to the medium car. Go from the medium car to the bigger car. Until so you get them one at a time or just visualize them one at a time. Find something that you got almost no resistance to and, and manifest it. Doesn't matter what it is, where it is, but get used to the fact, ah, oh, it always manifests. Now you've already got some of that vibration with you. I can walk into anything. I can go anywhere. I can pass any, any cues. You know, I can just get there and everybody's got a name for me. Yeah. You've already got the vibration, but you haven't turned that into a Lamborghini. Okay. A Lamborghini's still a big thing. And it's a big thing. Why? I mean, the universe doesn't care a shit if he gives you a castle or a button. So why is this a big thing for you? And the big thing is, you know, you eventually get to the stage, Neo, where you say, I don't care if I get a Lamborghini or the most expensive car in the world. It doesn't mean anything to me anymore. And you'll be able to manifest them easily. And, you know, some of the gurus can just manifest gold in their hand. You know, it, it's nothing for them. It doesn't mean shit to them. <laughs> so they can manifest it like this, you know. So when you take away this great uh, need to get something that society will recognize, blah, blah, blah. And I think you did get somewhere. You, 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 you. Richard Branson and you, what? I saw a picture. No? Okay. I think it was Dan. Dan oh, that's Dan. That's Dan. Yeah. Okay. okay. So um, um, I, 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 I was trying to say that um, it's a step-by-step thing. And, you know, you'll manifest certain things and there'll be other things which are going to be a big deal for you. So you really need to, to go from step by step. Now, you understand the emotional guidance scale, yes or no? No, I never heard it probably, but I never heard it put in that phrase. Okay, so Abram Hicks will say to you that you can't go from uh, depressed to happy. Oh, go in between. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so now. you need to go up the scale. Now, when you start to manifest things, you need to go up the scale. You know, my last car was a Jaguar, and I've given that up. And I've got um, the brand new uh, Kia Nero, Kia Nero, almost Neo. <laughs> <laughs> I got a car name. Got a car after you. How about that? Got to go get that. <laughs> um, so it's a much cheaper car, but it's not the brand new version and all the rest of it. But Interestingly enough, vibrationally, I feel a thousand times happier in the Kia than I did in the Jag. And, you know, I, I worked up to the Jag. You know how I worked up to the Jag is because I'm not into cars. So it wasn't really that difficult for me. I started off by saying that <clears throat> I'm going to test the law of attraction on something I don't care a lot about, which is cars. And I'm going to find a car on my road that is very rare. And it was a Jaguar. I walked all the way down my about two miles down the road, looked at every driveway and all along the streets, and I looked for the the, the, the car that was the, the least popular or the you know the one that was least out there. And it was a Jaguar. I saw one parked and it was an old Jaguar 
um, it was parked in there. And I saw, hey, there's one. And then I saw one other. So on a two-mile walk, I saw two Jags. And I thought, okay. So I remember from a James Bond movie that they had this Jaguar as a James Bond. So this is like a cool thing to, to visualize. So over the year, I started focusing on just Jaguars. And I started seeing more and more and more Jaguars. And I reckon they should... Give me a percentage of all the sales of Jaguars because now there's shit about the Jaguars in my area. If I, and I reckon it's because of me. <laughs> yeah. Because I had this huge appreciation for these Jaguars. That's pretty cool, though. I mean, if you can find a way to collect that percentage, let us know. I mean, that, that would exactly. be great. Right? I need that. Exactly. Need that. My neighbors keep popping up with my toys. I need that. <laughs> So, um, you know, eventually there was the, the closest car to mine parked out the back was a Jaguar. <laughs> you know, that's how close it got to me. And eventually wow. I thought, well, why don't I just visualize having one? And I thought, okay, I'll start doing that. And then I looked around at all the different colors and I said, that red, that, you know, uh, maroon red is gorgeous. It's to die for. And, uh, Walt can, has seen pictures of it. And, um, I bought, um, not too long after that, um, probably about three months later, my wife saw it in the, in an advert while she was working on night duty as a nurse. And we jumped on and, uh, down to the, um, the, the guys that were selling it. And the old car that I was driving there died on the way, uh, almost <laughs> died on the way there. And I just managed to get it in and we, we did the sale and we got out and it had this beautiful Jaguar that was, um, only 30,000 on the clock and, um, a couple of years old. So it was gorgeous and for a very reasonable price. So, you know, everything just fell in place. So the old car died. <laughs> they got it. <laughs> we got the new car, uh, for a very good price, um, et cetera. So, you know, and by everything... the way, Neil, some, some, something I got to tell you too, because the, the part that he, he's kind of skipping over here, but was a, a big part of the story was, when he told us here on the show about how he'd acquired the Jag and, and he just told the story again and he d described how he felt about it at that time, it really reinforced what he said about five minutes ago. He really didn't care about the car, but it was so cool to have it. And I was waxing <laughs> lyrical about it. You know, it's got this feature and it's got that feature. Like, what? You, know, yeah, yeah. you know, I was just enjoying it, you know? I, but I didn't care. So, you know, it manifested easily is, is the kind of point I'm pointing out there, but um, so the important thing that I, I've, the, that I can share with anybody is the core philosophy. The core philosophy is contrast is your teacher. If any good teacher, guru, master, mentor, blah, 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 will bring contrast to the student. Nice. They will hand it out, dish it out, push it in, pull it out, massage it, get them to talk about it how to go from what you don't want to what you do want and how to appreciate it. Now, what, what Abraham Hicks book is that from? <laughs> All of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I spent about 10,000 hours <laughs> listening to Abraham Hicks. So I, I wanted uh, to understand them very clearly and their message is very simple. If you want no, the, I've, the, I've the emotional read... guidance scale, that's in the asking and is given if you want that one. The, no, not that one. Um, the whole, you know, appreciating the, the, the contrast and all that. Because I've, I've done three of the audio books and I didn't hear anything about that in them. You so know, I've listened to so thing. many, I don't know how I can tell you which one it was. All right. <laughs> literally well, literally about 10,000 hours worth. Of <laughs> if it comes to you, let me know. All right. So let me get into last night's stream.
Mm. Mind you, uh, backing up a little bit, a couple months ago, I said I want to remember my dreams. I used my old cheat code to remember them. I'm so happy and thankful that I remember my dreams. You know, I kept saying that, and I remembered a couple of dreams. Cool. Haven't remembered a dream since November. Um, we talked about it last week, last Friday, about lucid dreams and, and you know, that, that, that. So last night, I wake up around 10, I don't know, 10 o'clock this morning, and I like to lay in bed and kind of just fall back to sleep sometimes if, I, if that's what's going to happen. And so I did fall back to sleep. And... Um, I was, I ended up flying. I don't remember how I started flying. I was just in the air and I noticed that I was able to maintain it because like I said, when I think how long is it going to last or can I go higher and I try to go higher and I can't, I'm like, oh man, then I'm going to start to go down more and I'm like, go up, go up. And I go down and I touch the ground. I'm like, all right, let's try it again. Jump a couple times and I can't get it. Then if I can get it, I can't go above like three to six feet. This was different. I was about at, if you think like a two story apartment complex, I was at the height of one actually flying through a two story apartment complex and over some did buildings. You flow, did you fly through the walls? Yeah. No. No. Okay. No, I made sure to go over because I, okay. I never even thought about flying. Mm-hmm. So I would go over and it'd be like a grassy patch like you see in apartment complexes. And I remember going up to the side of the wall and I was free. I was in control and I kind of like was like, I knew I was asleep, but I didn't know I was asleep. It's like, well, you can't, I wasn't conscious enough at all to really proactively control it. I was controlling it just a little bit. And I remember I went close to the building. I spun around and like a little and went. Now, here's the thing. Two, two things that really stood out to me. One was when I tried to go up higher, I wasn't getting it. I said, come on, I'm at two stories. Let's do this. I wasn't getting it. Got scared, went down. And I noticed, I turned my head right and I went right, turned my head left, went right. I said, well, where I'm turning, I'm going. And I said, well, just look up. And so when I looked up, there was this tree in front of me. It was the largest tree that I've ever seen that you could even imagine. It was huge. It was like a bright light coming from behind it. I looked to the top of the tree to go to that height, probably 10 stories high or probably eight stories high. So I looked at the top of the tree to go towards that height. I didn't start flying towards that height. Something happened and I went straight up. I turned straight up and went, Doof. and now I'm almost at the top level of this tree. And I look over and, and from the ground, there's a hill, a hill going up from the tree and then an apartment complex there. So now I'm at the roof level of that two-story apartment complex. So though I went up way higher than I was up the hill. So I went over there, went over that building and in the grassy pasture, I would see, for some reason, four dinosaurs back to back in a circle, like around a campfire, but there was no fire, just back to back in a circle. And I went, it was a monoclonal, uh, And I went down, what is that? And I saw, whoa, whoa I want to land there. I went over that, went over a couple more buildings. And every time I went over a building, I would see a grass and layer, uh, like grass, because that's how it normally is around here. But there would be four dinosaurs facing each other in a circle different dinosaurs and everyone's. So I don't know what the significance in that was, but I was very happy be- that I was able to control my flight because I'm, a, I'm obsessed with flying. I have flight simulators and uh, I'm a pilot. Um, so I was very happy for that reason. Plus the whole, you know, I was taught that, you know, abundance, your abundance level mm-hmm. um, can have, and, you know, is equal to how much you can fly. 
So yeah, that was that was pretty much it. You know, the tree with the bright light. I did notice another thing too, and you could tell me if this is true. When I fly an airplane or a paramotor, I can see everything, and there's so much detail. In this dream, once I got so high, I couldn't see far away details. It was just white, glowing background light, and I was like, maybe because my brain doesn't want to have the capacity to put up that much detail as background, because background is a lot of detail. That's the hardest part about making a video game is the background, the walls, the buildings. Um, so yeah, anything you can pull from that, uh, please. Uh, um, there's so many things as we're going to start. So I had an experience once I was sitting on my bed, fully awake. And suddenly with my eyes wide open, I saw a palm tree in front of me, like far away, like in the other side of the sea. And then I started zooming in on the palm tree and zooming in and the water was rushing towards me and I was zooming in and zooming in and zooming in until I could see a tiny part of one little bit of a hair in, on, on, on that tree. Nice. So your ability to, to, to zoom in on anything is there if you kind of believe it. Okay. Um, and in the beginning, it's such a wow experience that, I mean, once you've had an out of body experience, you, you're under no illusions that it is something amazing and that it's, that it is an out of body experience. So everybody goes, Oh, you're just hallucinating or whatever, whatever, you know, and you know, these guys that take drugs and hallucinate, those things are real to them when they're experiencing them. They're real. Mm -hmm. So, you know, as much as anybody says it's hallucinating, it says, yeah, maybe I was hallucinating if that's the word you want to use, but it's real. It's really real. So For me, it's the same thing as when somebody says, well, it's just a mere coincidence. And my answer is, yeah, take out the word mere and you got it. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> so um, um, the other thing is I'm going to tell you another experience of mine. Um, I used to go to my house where I was born on the side of the mountain in South Africa. And I used to fly in there and come down and, uh, outside the French windows was two items. There was that old granny's chair, which I burnt as a kid. So half the chair was burnt <laughs> and next to it was an elephant. And I knew I had a choice. Do you want to choose? the old in a way or the new. So I said, no, I want the elephant. So the elephant was Dumbo. So this flying elephant, I got sat on its back. It was a small one and it took me up and we started flying through the universe, through the stars, like in mm -hmm. Walt's background there, <laughs> literally that kind of with speed of incredible proportions. And it was freezing absolutely freezing cold and I was hugging onto this elephant because I was so cold <laughs> and we were going faster and faster and faster and and you know like Starship Enterprise all the you know when they're going to hyper warp or whatever it is mm -hmm. these things are just flashing past you and that's what it was like and I woke up in bed with my heart pounding again and like oh my god that was so cold and scary <laughs> and fast and, you know absolutely sweating um so then <clears throat> another time i went there and there was a whole group of 
my spiritual friends all around the swimming pool. And I flew down and it was a very friendly family, lovely atmosphere. So I started and I said, what are we going to do today, guys? They said, oh, we're going to the moon. I said, cool. And we all started rising off the lawn and we went up to the moon. And when we went to the moon, there were people living there because on that level of um, astral level or whatever, there are people living there. Whatever level I went to, it's populated. The moon is populated. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and, and it was very real to me. So we flew all the way up there and I said, how do we do it? And they said, just like Superman, put your hands out in front of you. So I did that and we went like Superman. We flew there. And, um, literally, you know, we went around the moon and we met people and it was incredible, incredible experience, fully conscious, controlling the whole thing, you know, doing what I wanted to do. Um, so I'm trying to give you an idea that, you know, from these little stages of learning to fly in the outer body, you can go further and further and further and further and further and further, and further um, to a lot of different realms. I always use my beginning experiences because they were, they, they're good ways of explaining the step-by-step -step process. Mm -hmm. Eventually, you, you know, there are places in the inner planes where you can go learn spiritual stuff with or any stuff, anything that you want. You can learn how to knit, crochet, sew, computer parts, you know, whatever you want to, you know, how to it's manifest like, a like, car, how boring. Um, like, <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> been there, done that. <laughs> Sounds like a spiritual internet, kind of. Yeah, Just yeah. Travel so, instantly and learn some stuff, see some stuff, experience some stuff. And then Abram Hicks told me something that completely threw my whole dimension. I kept on thinking I was going outside my body. I was doing it. I started realizing that this is a vibrational interpreting machine, and all you're doing is you're tuning into different vibrations, like a radio station. Oh, let's go to BBC One, or let's go to BBC Two, or let's go to Kiss FM, or whatever. So you're just tuning your awareness into different vibrational areas. You can tune yourself in, Abram Hicks would say, into, say, Gandhi or uh, Einstein, and then you can start downloading the information that is in that area of of vibration you know you can tune into the station of einstein and and start sure. understanding what he understood so you start looking at it from a different from a completely different perspective as i'm traveling there or i'm just tuning the moon into where i am now so how do you proactive how would you coach someone on getting into these dream states as opposed to just going to sleep and not remembering nothing when they wake up one of the things you can do is at a certain stage, which phone apps can now tell you, um, you get the REM stage and you get the alpha stage and, the, and all the rest of it. And there's a certain stage where if you wake yourself up during that stage or, you know, you've set an alarm or something, you will remember your dreams easily. So you can, you can alarm yourself to wake up where you will be able to remember the dreams easier. So you can go study all that as well. Um, I don't like forcing myself awake. So I learned many years ago to program myself to wake up whenever I want to. And I can go to sleep whenever I want to. There is a provisor. I need to be tired. I can't go to sleep if I'm not tired. I'm not interested in going to sleep if I'm not tired. I want to be awake. I want to live in this world. I came here to play in this world, so I'm not going to go to sleep. Um, and as you become more and more spiritually aware, more, more 
you speak to the yogis or you look at the yogis, they, have, they sleep less and less and less. But they tend to meditate a little bit more. <laughs> okay, so what you find out is <clears throat> what Abram Hicks says uh, sleep does, yeah, very interestingly enough, he says it freezes your vibration. So when you go to sleep, you stay at that vibration until you wake up, and then you'll continue at that vibration. That's why they strongly recommend you go to sleep happy. Then you'll wake up happy because it freezes that level of vibration for that for that period. So I'm not 100% sure how much I agree with all that, but yeah. it's 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 an interesting idea that if you go to sleep happy, you'll wake up happy. You know, always solve your marital problems before you go to sleep. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. That's got different complications <laughs> with it. It does. <laughs> But, you know, you will wake up feeling better, I'm, I'm guessing, if you sort of things out before. But try and get yourself to the highest level of impassionate state, positive state, um, before you go to sleep. Yeah, I have some pretty intense rituals that I do before I even go into my bedroom. That sounds and horrible. They, they leave me. <laughs> intense. What is <laughs> <so> intense? <laughs> nah, they leave I got me. some passionate, incredible. <laughs> They leave me in such a great headspace that I'm excited when I lay down. And I'm like, I'm never going to get to sleep if I'm excited. But I, I, I fall asleep pretty fast. But I'm, sometimes I'm so excited that I'm like, oh, man, like this is crazy. As I'm walking into my bedroom, I'm like, yo, I'm ready to go. I can't wait till tomorrow. So, yeah, I, I'm a huge fan of uh, putting yourself in the right mindset before you lay down. Another I also want to throw something else in, too, because you mentioned, Louis, uh, you weren't 100% sure if it's true that the, the state that you go to sleep in is the state that you wake up in. Mm. And I, I remember experimenting with that. Mm. And there'd be times where, you know, I wasn't really feeling it, so to speak. And, okay, so I'm going to really focus on getting my vibe up and then see what happens when I wake up the next morning. And, you know, so I get my vibe up and so forth. And then I'd go to sleep and I wake up this morning. I, next morning I would feel like crap. I said, well, that proves it. And I, I thought about it for a moment. I said, oh, wait a minute. After I got my vibe up, it just as I was getting ready to go back to sleep, I went right back to where I was before. So actually, no. <laughs> no I, I did all that work and I didn't actually stay there. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't agree with that at all. Because I'd go to sleep in a crappy mood and woke up on top of the world and vice versa. I'm mm. going to sleep really excited and woke up just feeling like dirt. Like, like yeah, so I, yeah, I wouldn't really. The, the other yeah. thing I highly recommend you play with, Neo, is when you're going to sleep, try and, rem try and remain awake for as long as possible into that state. Oh, I like doing that. Yeah. I, I didn't do My purpose in doing that is because I've always wanted to experience falling asleep. Mm -hmm. Like, like I've never, I can't remember <laughs> falling asleep. That's and so a, I. Good enough reason for it. Yeah. So nights that I'm really, really tired. I'm like, I'm going to step as long as I can. I want to feel this changeover. I want to see what it, I, and I still have it, but <laughs> it's, I don't, I don't know if, I, if you can. You know, I went, I went through a phase of um, doing that and I was very <clears throat> interested to see what happened to everybody when they went to sleep. So I used to go over the little town that I live near and I used to float over it, and I used to wait for everybody to go to sleep and then watch the bodies float out of the roofs of the houses. And I used to sit there and watch watch all these things and the different states they were in and what they were aware of and what they weren't aware of and where they were going, what they were doing. Um, 
And also you can find your partner that way as well. Because you can go out there and you can see who's a vibrational match to you. And then you can get drawn to them and then you can find out where they live and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> well, if you ever want to try this, this is the greatest thing. I tend to fall every night from mid Lewis, every night from two minutes to two, two o'clock in the morning, midnight to 2 a.m. I'm doing some kind of meditative, proactive manifesting, some visualizations, whatever. That's my, that's my gym time for my mind, mm-hmm. those two hours. And usually in the last half hour, I'm on my recliner. Um, so if you want to do this sleeping thing, because like, I fall asleep in my recliner a lot and I wake up and I'm like, all right, time to go to bed. Um, mm-hmm. Do it in a do it in a situation like that because I was able to. I was tired. It was like one in the morning. I lay down in my recliner and I was falling asleep. And so when I woke up from that at one fifteen, I got to try it again. And then I woke up from that at one twenty five, and I got to try it again. Try to experience myself the experience mm-hmm. of falling asleep. So if you, I mean, if you do it in your bed, you're probably only gonna get one time because you're gonna fall asleep. You know, unless you go pee in the middle of the night. But if you want to do it multiple times and make a study out of it, I'm obsessed with studying things like this. Uh, do it on like a recliner, somewhere you're not supposed mm-hmm. to go to sleep mm-hmm. and, and do it a little early so you can have a couple passes of, you know, waking up, try it again, wake up, try it again. It's dope, though. I love studying stuff like that. Now, Walt knows this, but I've done a lot of work with energy of the body. Called Jinshin Jitsu is the art itself. Um, you can look it up on the internet, jinshinjitsu.net. Jinshin Jitsu. J-I-N-S-H-I-N. You can find a number of episodes oh. on the LOA Today site, too, where we did it. Yeah, many know, conversations. Okay, cool. Astrid came on and, and talked about it a lot with okay. us as well, my sister-in-law. Um, so what I will do is I'll just hold here and hold under my bum and this is the janitor, which will clean and detox the body. And I'm sitting there um, on the left hand, on the same side of the shoulder, down on that side of the bum, under the bone. That's where you're, where, where you're doing it. So this is the janitor. This is the um, 1125. And this will just start cleaning out, detoxing the body. And I hold it there and I start feeling ah, relief, release, relief, release. And then I'll hold another point. Ah, relief, release. Then I hold my spine and another point that I know works particularly well for me at the moment. And you just get this relief and release and spine starts turning and twitching and clicking and tears stream down my eyes from a relief and release point of view, not from any emotional point of view. Nothing to do with emotion. Um, But it's quite common that you'll have tears coming out. You yawn a lot. Um, and these things happen and as the body aligns and balances. And then you just feel this deep, gentle, beautiful relaxation. And then to get into that dream state and focusing on that, you really have to be more aware because you, cause you're, you're, you, it's easy to fall asleep at that stage. Yeah. So you've, you've released the body and you brought it into a bit of balance. I always hold my inner thighs, cross over like that, hold my inner thighs. And that helps any burping and farting. So if there's any a little bit of air in my stomach or my <clears throat> or my anus that needs to come out, it, it sorts both of those out, pushes the one up and the other one down. Um, so then, you know, I just align my body at night. And, you know, I, I do all these things so naturally, I even forget about it, talk about them to anybody. I've been doing them for years, you know. Um, that Wait, by the way, the- when you were describing that janitor holder, whatever you called it, mm-hmm. 
I'm thinking to myself, my God, that's how I go to sleep when I need to relax. I had no idea how we're yeah. doing a hold. <laughs> <laughs> this is the thing. You see the people on trains, you know, holding, holding, you know, this part here, which is um, your stomach area, um, and holding some other part of their body. And I thought, oh, that's the stomach flow they're doing there, you know. And the stomach flows helps the thinking and the digestion of the thoughts as well. So when you, when you work on the stomach flow, you're helping with the digestion of your thoughts, <clears throat> um, et cetera, et cetera. So you can go on and on and on and about Jinshin Jitsu, but I wanted to bring in that level because what I did once upon a time when I started learning it, um, I did my first five day course. After that, I just did my, worked on myself every evening because you can work on others as well with it. But I was mostly focused on only doing it on myself. So I was very skilled and still am skilled at doing it on myself. And I woke up at 4 o'clock every single morning bar none. And I was working 95 in blue-collar London. So I was waking up at 4 o'clock in the morning, doing two hours of this energy work, getting so incredibly relaxed because I had... 50 cent piece, no hair in the head. Um, my back was so painful that if I bent my head to get into the car, literally crying, um, you know, uh, bags under my eyes and blah, 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 blah. So all of this was starting to relieve, you know, relief and release and getting it out of my system. So I had this beautiful four to six, I did Jenshin, and then from six to seven, and I never, ever, put an alarm on anything that's happened automatically. I just mm -hmm. did it. It just happened for a year. I did it this way. And, um, from six to seven, I slept, but it was incredibly delicious sleep with the, the, um, the dreams were incredible. Absolutely out of this world, vivid colors, sounds, out of body experiences, um, lucid dreaming, blah, blah, blah. Um, all of that was during that phase in my life. So there are, are levels and levels and levels you can go to. And one of the things I'm working on quite a bit at the moment is breathing. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> There's something called the 478 breath. breath. Oh, um, yeah. I do that. You, you've heard the Van Hoff guy, you know, the Hoff Wim, guy? Wim Hof, yeah. Yeah, Wim Hof, yeah. Inhale, so, hold for seven, exhale for eight. Yeah. Yeah. So the yeah. big thing about him is he teaches you to appreciate exhaling and holding an exhale. Mm -hmm. Most of, most of the breathing techniques are holding an inhale in some shape or form, but he teaches you to, um, to appreciate cold. He teaches you to appreciate the exhale as opposed to the inhale. Um, and it's very powerful. It's like, it's like getting to that point that I got to with understanding life is appreciating the negativity and respecting it and understanding it's an expansion point and not looking at it as anything else. <clears throat> so that's what um, Hoff guy is doing as well. So um, that is so powerful. You know, you've got this deliciously relaxed feeling in your body as you're going to sleep and you've done these breathing exercises and you're just, oh, could life be any better? Just, you can't. <laughs> you know, it's just... You know what? Breath work is a perfect example of appreciating the negative because it is absolutely necessary for you to exhale. Absolutely. It's at a point of no air in order for you to inhale again. It's, mm -hmm. it's necessary. And we do it so many times and just take it for granted or whatever. We don't think about it. Um, that's dope. 
Do you, is there any association that you've learned between flying and abundance? Like what I said, how the amount of proactive flying you could do, not just floating, proactive flying you could do is equal to the amount of abundance you feel about your life. So when I studied my spiritual path and they were teaching us that all these books that say, you know, ah, a snake means this and a house means that. Yeah. And that means this. And I heard what a dinosaur meant earlier. And, 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 and they said this is all rubbish because somebody who's brought up with snakes and comes to love snake doesn't fear snakes. Mm. Okay. So the, the whole idea again, it's what do you believe? You can make your belief, you know, if, you know, it's up to you. Make it, make it. I don't, like don't, 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 don't. Um, so what you're asking for is the reliance of the active vibration that is in society already. One of the examples of an active vibration in society in our world is <clears throat> gravity. Every time we walk out of our house in the morning, we don't think we're going to fly upwards. Mm. And because the whole of humanity's thinking we're going to walk on terra, terra firma, the universal law of attraction is just a vibration which is saying, okay, let me draw you down. Let me draw you down. It's just a bunch of thoughts. That's what all these things are. That's what the whole universe is made out of. It's a bunch of thoughts that we've agreed on. Oh, you know what? Off brand. I want to switch it up and ask this question to both you guys real quick before we get out of here. Uh, why do you think such a small percentage of our brain we use? Who cares? Me, that's why I asked. <laughs> <laughs> Good answer. I like that. <laughs> no, I mean, because no, no, my, my answer to that is that it's your problem. Then. <laughs> if, no, if, I, if I have 100% of something to use, something that's been so powerful and such impactful in my life, I'd like to use more than 8% of it. Uh, okay, so, so how do you use it? You use it by focusing on one thing for more than 14 seconds so that the universal law of attraction of its own power can draw in the cooperative component so that it can help the manifestation of what you want. Statement goes, if you want something and you get it, you're happy. If you want something and you don't get it, you're unhappy. So what you want to do is learn to focus. One of the most difficult things you're ever going to land up doing in your entire life is focusing on one thing for 14 plus seconds. So if you want to know what to do, you say to yourself, I need to learn to focus. So when I see somebody really into their phone, I say, isn't that great? They're learning to focus. Everybody <laughs> says, oh, they're addicted to their phone. Duh, 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 duh. I'm saying, look at that focus because mm. focus is the key to life. <laughs> Whatever you want, you focus on it, you get it. But you need to learn to focus. It's easier to focus on things you love. Find things you love, focus on them. And then you'll start manifesting them and all the universal law of attraction will bring its power to help you get it. Blah, blah, blah. Learn nice. to focus. Well, I'm going to take a different approach on it. I'm going to question the assumption. The assumption yeah. is we only use what 8% of our brain. Mm -hmm. I, I, I haven't delved into this in any great detail. So I'm talking a little bit out, out of school here, but from what little I have investigated of it, there are some very major assumptions that get built in, a priori assumptions that get built in by the researchers who come to those conclusions. And I don't know what they all are. I, if I remember correctly, one of them is that they're measuring 
the amount of brain activity at any given instant in time. And so if at an instant in time, this 12% is demonstrating activity and the rest isn't, then yeah. they're saying, well, it's inactive. But at the next instant, the next part is active. It could be so a whole why, 12%. So, so why know? are we excluding that one? You know, it's okay. like, what, why, why aren't we seeing an electrical field just taking over the brain all at mm -hmm. once is kind of what they're saying. And I'm saying, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? That's kind of like asking the computer chip to fire all ones and zeros at the same moment and make that be some sort of a super new program. That's not the way computers work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah. I, I, I question the assumption behind it. You can also question it from the point of view is what is controlling your heartbeat, your lungs, your kidney, your liver, the... the... The hair growth on your hair, the breathing, the seeing, the feeling. Here's one well, freaking powerful computer going somewhere, <laughs> doing a shitload of things. That's just with my body, right. never mind anything else. <laughs> what, they, what they say is that all the you being able to stand up and not fall, your balance, your nail growth, like you said, all that is in that 8%. Um, and the rest of it would be like telekinesis and pyrokinesis, being able to levitate objects, including... And all stuff. of that comes down to one simple thing, your level of focus. Mm -hmm. that. I'm with it. The <laughs> other thing that I really wanted to bring in here is focus on what you can control. Yes. You can't That's control right. this unconscious idea that they've thrown into your mind. Leave it alone. Forget about it even existed. Forget even when we talked about it. Focus on what you can focus on and work on it. I like Forget that. Forget the rest. Don't even think about it. Just let it go. I want this car, so what are the steps that I need to do to do it? And focus on that and leave all the rest out of it. Mark my words. Everyone listening, you two gentlemen, I will be, maybe not the first, but I will fly. I believe it. Without a device, just flesh it. and bone Superman style. Well, you do know that the yogis have got levitation and they've been flying for a while. And some of well, the, um, some, some I hear of the... I'm just late. I want to see a YouTube video about it. Once I see, the second I see, <laughs> type the word I... levitation on YouTube and I'm sure you'll find thousands. Um, uh, yeah. If, if I would pay good money to go to a village out in Indonesia somewhere and see someone levitate. Because as soon as I saw that, I know I'd have it a week later. Because it would so, so, be solidified as possible, which is what I'm having trouble wrapping my head around now. So, so let me explain to you what somebody said to Abram Hicks. Abram Hicks, you say anything's possible. He said, yes, it is. He said, but I'm not flying like Superman. Nobody else around here is flying like Superman. Well, what do you mean we can fly like Superman? He says, yes, but you need to build up the vibration and the belief to it. You don't Man, believe you're going to fly like Superman now, do you? No, no, I don't. So, of course, from the universal law of attraction, from everything we've taught you, you wouldn't be able to fly like Superman. It's just the way it is. So why don't you start, and this is their recommendation, why don't you start without embodied experiences? A lot of people have had those. That's what, that's what today exactly, was. Exactly. 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 <laughs> and, and this, this is why I bring it all in here because this is the step by step process. And then, and Abram says, when that first person can fly, then somebody else will see it and then somebody else, and then it'll, and then everybody on the planet Earth will be Superman. We'll all be flying, you know? So the world will be different. The world Less will carbon be different. footprint. Exactly. You know, um, so it's a journey for us. And I, I had some, 
watchtower. Uh, what do you call those guys? Jehovah's Witness. Jehovah's Witnesses knock on my door the other day. I told Walt this. First thing they said to me is, do you believe there'll be peace on this earth? I said, I said to them, if you believe there'll be peace on this earth, then you do not understand how the world works at all. And you don't understand anything about life. And they looked at me. What do you mean? I said, well, even your prophet, uh, sorry, your, your, your son of God said um, there'll be war on this earth till, till time immemorial. Those exact words uh, translated. And um, so even he understood that there'll never be peace on this earth. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, eventually they were starting to agree with me and they were going to come back. But I was on a call, so I left them and I went back on, on my call. Um, Lions got to eat. Lions got to eat. And he's going to chase and that. I was, trying to, I was trying to point out to them that importance of negativity and, and how it helps you expand and to understand the concept and to appreciate it and put it in your life and live it. Um, and then... Because I've been in Austria on holiday now, um, my niece was looking at a, she, she bought a book because she was watching all these things on, on YouTube about this guy is talking about how the world works and how, you know, Big Bang Theory and blah, blah, blah. So I said to her, and does he talk about God? She says, well, kind of. I said, where is God? And, you know, she goes back to her religion thing and eventually comes to me and says, he's everywhere. So, oh, nice. And I said, oh, that's good, because that's what they teach you. It's omnipresent, omnipotent, and omnipotent. That's what Christians, or as a, as a Catholic, I was brought up, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. So I said, if God is everywhere, then you're God, aren't you? No, I'm not God. <laughs> I said, but then I'm, I'm God. I said, no, you're not God. I said, this that table's God. That's right there. That's how you get yeah. whipped. <laughs> Louis oh, loves better. stirring pots. You gotta know this about him now. He just loves that's stirring. That's not pots. stirring pots. I'm talking my truth. I know you I'm are. Looking, but I'm still not trying to. Pot. St- <laughs> that's your, that's their problem. And, and I, I love the fact that you stir pots. I think it's great. <laughs> so, so she was looking at me and said, well, um, I suppose so. And then, um, the, uh, her brother says, uh, I said, where's, where's God? And he says, oh, it's between the earth and the universe. I said, there's so many flaws in that statement. We don't know where to begin <laughs> because <laughs> the earth is in the universe. <laughs> yeah. And are you trying to say that um, Neil Armstrong, when he went to the moon, as soon as he left the atmosphere of the earth, he was in heaven. Um, <laughs> so, and then when they point, he pointed up, I said, well, it must be down as well because the earth rotates. It's down and down. Yeah. Up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't point up to heaven. So that doesn't work. <laughs> So that's, that's, it's funny because that when you said that earlier, I was, I was brought up to believe heaven was this place in the sky, mm. right? To the and it was to the point where I would try to look past the clouds sometimes to find it, and it's just wish wash. <laughs> so then, then I said to him, now that you're looking at God as being everywhere, what is what are the kind of characteristics you can give God? Mm. Good question. I like. That. I said to them, the way I look at source energy now, and I don't look at it as God. I use the word source energy, and that's an interesting distinction, moving away from the G-O-D word or the dog word. Backwards. <laughs> dog word. <laughs> uh, you claim you don't like the stir pots. Are you kidding me? Come on. I'm so I like that. I, I like I like to look at it as the power that creates universes. 
And I have to put my hands up and say I stole that from Abram Hicks. <laughs> I look at God now, or source energy, as the power that creates universes. That's kind of, that, that's all I see. You know, there's no, funny, there's for, no, there's no long, dog in the sky. For a long time, <laughs> I called it source because uh, it was just a source of everything. Um, so, yeah, I like how you use that, that terminology. So we got, um, what are you doing the 21st? I'd like you to come to my summit and speak a little bit more about that. 21st of this month. Yeah, from noon to 4 p.m. Eastern time. Yeah, maybe I can do that. Let me know. Um, We're going to connect. What, what time is that Eastern time? I've got time, buddy. Yeah. It's five hours difference. What time is it? So mm. that would be. Um, is it New York time? Yeah. Yeah. New York time. So be and, and what time, time is it? 12 to 4. 12. 12 in London is 5 p.m. Yeah, I can probably do that. All right, I'm, I'm going to send you a message on uh, Facebook. We'll chop that up. But, yeah, we I'd like to get deeper into that and that whole, you know, defining God and all that other stuff because that's stuff you don't find in normal conversations without someone getting offended or whatnot. But I, in my summit, it'll be a bunch of like-minded individuals, so we'll be open to explore each of our different takes on things and pull what we want, leave what we want, cool. and hopefully come away with more information. Like, that's the whole point in it. More information, 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 information. I love talking about dog. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And therein endeth the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> this has been fun, though. This has been really great. And it worked out exactly the way I hoped it would with you guys just chopping it, to use Neo's phrase. You chopped it up great. Really, really good. So Learned a lot. Yeah. I appreciate you. Neil, thanks Thank for you. dropping by on Monday. That was this is like three in a row. Are we going to do like four tomorrow? Five? I don't know what's going to happen here. But yeah, we'll see. We'll see. This has been good. And thank you, Louie, for your usual wisdom nuggets. I can't even call them nuggets. They're more like boulders. But yeah, thank you for, for passing along the boulders without throwing them over anybody. Yeah. That's Thanks really for being the glue, Walt. You're brilliant. <laughs> That's it. I'm the glue. <laughs> <laughs> so this is your glue signing off. Thank you to our podcast. This is everywhere. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody. Cheers, everyone.